Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim, your sustainability action series podcast highlighting how local governments are leading the way toward a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I've spent the last 16 years working for and with local governments to help them create resilient, inclusive, thriving communities. I started this podcast series to connect you with the key people on the ground putting sustainability into action in their communities. Hello, everybody. Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim. This is your sustainability action series podcast, and I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I'm really excited today to have Dan Gilbo with us. Dan is the Chief of the Sustainability and Equity Branch for the District Department of Energy and Environment down in uh, D.C. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kim. It's great to be here. And I, it's appropriate that your show is called Fast Talk because uh, I, I tend to have that tendency sometimes. <laughs> to talk sassy. <laughs> exactly. So, Dan, you know, we were talking about this earlier, the... Um, offline, of course, um, you know, you have a very unique title and the district has certainly been doing quite a bit since the release of your sustainable DC plan. Could you just talk a little bit about what your role is uh, within um, the district in, in the Department of Energy and Environment? Yeah, so I got lucky when I first came to district government, I had been in um, in this in this you know, a, a previous sort of iteration of this of this job five or six years ago. And right as I started within a few months, the mayor announced he wanted to do a sustainability plan. I'm an urban planner by education and I have um, an interest in sustainability. So I was just sort of uniquely situated to be able to, to work on it. And five or six, I guess maybe even closer to seven years at this point, I'm uh, probably one of the only people from that original team. So it, it's, you know, it's fun to sort of be that person who was able to, uh, helped plan the development of the plan, create the plan itself, and now we're four years into implementation. And we were talking earlier too. It's it's been really fun to see the district government really grow its sustainability team. I know our, my direct team was something like five or six people when I first started. Now we're up to 14 people. And the way I think of it too, we're really just the core of this really large. Uh, or the hub maybe of a really large wheel of sustainability, there's probably something between, I would say, 60 and 80 people without, within district government who work pretty directly on sustainability in some way. So some people are uh, broader, like me and my team, who do a lot of that coordination, and then there's a lot of like deep diggers, right? So the people who run the, the bike share program, the people who really do solar energy uh, directly, uh, get healthy food in schools, things like that. So it's this really nice mix of um, deep divers and people who are doing overall coordination within different agencies uh, that really helps, I think, the district do some pretty uh, robust work in terms of sustainability. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. I know I worked with the district back when in my ICLEI days um, when Brendan Shane was there. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were still trying to, to move things forward and get things going. So it's really excited to see how much the district has stepped up as a leader. Um, you know, I know a lot of my other, my local government clients that I work with would love to have 60 to 80 people actively thinking about sustainability and engaged in it. Is there something there? I mean, was it from the development of sustainable DC plan? Has it been, you know, from leadership? Is it, what's kind of made that possible where you really are starting to get to that point of true integration? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think in, in one way, there's a few unique things about the district in general. So we are uh, lucky enough in a lot of ways to have our 
the state and the city combined into one sort of just massive workforce. So the people who would normally be involved in like the State Department of Energy, the State Department of Natural Resources, um, those are all district government um, staff. So we, we have a much broader sort of range of people who are all involved in things. Um, there's other benefits to that too in terms of legislation and our ability to be nimble and use funding sources differently. But that in terms of staff, that's 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 one big piece of it. Two is, you know, we're we're a pretty progressive city with a progressive um, string of mayors, council, uh, just the residents in general really uh, broadly speaking, you know, on a high level, really do care about sustainability, climate, and the environment. So there's a lot of appetite from them to do to do more and to support programs too, because you know these are these are tax-funded uh, programs. Um, you know, there's some exceptions and things, but it's really that sort of like overall combination of this is important, this is important work, and everyone sort of being on that same page, more or less. You know, there's exceptions to everything, of course, but uh, has really helped grow sustainability overall. And then I think. Um, you know, having support of mayors launch and keep sustainable DC really moving. Um, part of its success has been this large group of staff people dedicated to sustainability, which then makes the plan more effective. Um, be able to do more work overall, which then sort of further supports. Look, you know, we need more people to be doing more programs, and it's it's this really it's a really nice sort of cycle of um, of support for for each other between the staff and the plan. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you're right. You do have kind of that unique position as a bit of a state and city government. Um, so certainly right. that helps. But, you know, there's there's always opportunities and challenges with that. And I know, you know, with your sustainable DC plan, you guys are very good about putting out your progress reports. So you're tracking that implementation, which probably holds a lot of your you know, your folks, uh, I don't want to say holds your feet to the fire, but it keeps you focused, um, you know, not just within your department, it sounds like, but across the district government. You know, I love that it's integrated throughout there. And I think what we're actually here to talk about today is really that engagement that you, you're all doing um, within the community and specifically your sustainability ambassadors program. Um, why don't you kind of give our listeners a little bit of a background and kind of how the Sustainability Ambassadors Program got started? Yeah. So in the development of our plan in general, this is 2011 through the very beginning of 2013, we community participation was a really core a foundational piece of how we built the plan. So there was something like 700 people were involved in the development of the plan, involved in either working groups um, or giving input on it or helping sort of shape it throughout its, its development over that year and a half. So that was, that was really foundational in the creation of the plan. And so in one way, we wanted to make sure we kept that going uh, after the plan because that's, you know, sort of one of those jumps that can be really tricky is like forming a plan, there's a direct way for people to be involved in it. Once it's uh, in implementation, it's, it's sometimes harder actually mm -hmm. to keep people, you know, residents involved in that part of it. But the other or another um, big reason for this is that we, uh, like many cities, had the real challenge of the people who participated in the development of the plan were largely white, were largely young, and probably pretty professional level uh, in terms of income. Uh, and it's something that we worked a lot on, but it, it remains a challenge, I think, probably to this day. The ambassador program is is intended to be part of the solution to reaching more people and engaging directly with a, with a wider variety of people throughout the city. So we, from the beginning, um, worked to have 
at least we did a pilot year. We had one um, ambassador from each of the wards, uh, and we learned a lot from that year. But since then, it's really been the, intent, the intention has been, and I think you know to the to the most degree. Um, pretty successful in having the ambassadors reflect the diversity of the city. So we've got a pool of people who, you know, are pretty diverse in terms of race, age, uh, and geography of the city, uh, which has really helped us sort of uh, engage and have different kinds of conversations with a much larger variety of, of residents, uh, not just those traditional people who like come to the meetings, you know, who have the capacity to, to come to all these meetings and participate online and things like that. This is really us going out to people and residents talking to residents instead of government workers, you know, asking residents what they think. So it's, has it been a magic bullet? No, but it's really been um, a pretty successful way to, to, reach, to reach more people in terms of actual numbers, but also in terms of diversity people that we're reaching. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because we, you know, we always talk about it in a planning process of trying to engage, you know, a diverse audience, uh, your representative sample. Um, and we, we talk a lot about kind of going to them rather than trying to force people to fit into our, you know, municipal planning processes. It's going to them and help, helping them fit it into to their lives. And I love that you're kind of working with folks from the different neighborhoods and the wards that can be there and be that voice so you're almost like your champions out there in the in the community right absolutely i mean and, and i think in more than one way too right so not only do you have this like group of people that and we can talk about it but we've, we've trained them to some degree right about like what is sustainability why does it matter um what are what are things that people can do directly to help support sustainability and how that actually benefits them as well the you know environment so you've got this a like, group of trained people who are going out and they're formally going to these community events right talking to their their neighbors at these events resident to resident but they're also just talking to friends and family, uh, like, you know, on a daily sort of basis. One of my favorite stories that came out of this is one of our volunteers. She's an older African-American woman named Sheila, who um, was at the senior uh, center in her ward. And she overheard um, some other women talking about um, sustainability and how um, it's it's just going to make the city more unaffordable and it's going to hurt them in the end. And that, you know, the sustainable D.C. plan is actually, uh, you know, not going to be something that helps them in any way. And she happened to overhear them and like sort of stepped in the conversation, introduced herself and just talked about what she felt like sustainability really is and how she felt like it was helping her and was going to help her more and how that may also be true for them. So here was this like really informed uh, woman just talking to other people at, at the resident, the, the community center about sustainability. So you've got like people able to intervene mm -hmm. uh, really intelligently in situations like that. And then there's also this, while we don't like, we don't promote it, there, it does just create advocates too, right? So I guess that's what Sheila did. But at the same time, I was at this community meeting and, you know, as often happens, the tide sort of turned a little bit and I felt people sort of like getting like a little bit of animosity towards sustainability. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were, there was, there happened to be three former ambassadors there and I didn't even recognize them at the time, but all of them like were able to like make these like really great points. Like this is why this thing's important, right? This was about, um, I think it was recycling and composting like this is why this matters and like actually the city is doing some things right and yeah we need to do more but here's some good things that were happening and it just it changed the whole tone of the meeting right it wasn't the government worker saying uh no we're doing things you know we're getting defensive or right this is why it matters it was residents saying uh look i'm proud of the things that are happening here and yeah we need to demand more but like this is there's some good stuff happening and we just need to have more good stuff happening so 
unintentionally created these advocates too. So multiple benefits to the program. That's really such a great story. I mean, you love hearing that because you're right. Some of us that are in government or in, and or have been working in the sustainability field for decades plus, you know, while we may be always working on our communication skills, everyone's coming from a different place. And, you know, what resonates with us may not resonate with others, but as you're building kind of this group of ambassadors out there, they may connect more with some of their colleagues. And I, and I love the story of Sheila because, you know, prior to her being an ambassador, she might not have felt like she had enough information to even intervene in that conversation. Um, and so it's really Absolutely. nice to see that those kinds of changes happening. So, I mean, I guess along those lines, you've talked about it, you know, there's obviously some training, like what are the general kind of expectations and commitments for your ambassadors? Yeah. So one one of the most important things is, you know, just making sure you don't represent yourself as a government worker. That's something we really have to drill home. And we've never had an issue with it. And that's probably because part of that training there. Two, you know, we're not looking to create disciples, right? Like we're not, you don't, you don't need to go be a disciple of uh, the environment and climate and district government and only say positive things. Like that, that, that's something that we've heard before is I'm not, I'm not interested in like being your like, you know, spokesperson here. But it really is about um, teaching them just what is what is sustainable DC about, like just some core pieces of it, so they feel comfortable with it. Right? It's really just getting their comfort level up, and then um, learning some of the programs that the government does offer. So when people say, "Hey, that's awesome," let's let's get more renewable energy. But what can I do? Because it's always a big question. They've got um, some things they can talk about, and we've given them materials to to give people. And then I think the other big thing is why, why does any of this matter and how does it help individual residents? And again, this is not like you're not, you're not greenwashing and you're not, you're not trying to just convince people in every situation, but what resonates with you, right? We'll give you a lot of information and what resonates with you as an ambassador. Uh, take that and just share that with people as it makes sense. And, you know, different people, as you're out at community events, different people will ask you different questions, will come at you different angles. So it's helpful to have a few different things sort of at your disposal to talk about. But really, we just want people to feel comfortable with this material. So like Sheila, they feel, you know, empowered uh, to talk mm -hmm. intelligently. About, about sustainability, about why it matters, and what people can do to sort of sort of help with it too. And generally speaking, um, that hour and a half to two hour training has been enough to get people sort of excited. Then you know what's cool is that there's people who want more, right? There's people mm -hmm. who want to go talk like and give a formal like presentation to you know a neighborhood meeting, something like that. So we'll offer opportunities for them to get even more involved. But for most people, that that two hour sort of training really is enough to like get them just out there and talking to people and, and having fun, hopefully. And then what are they, so they are, they're going out kind of, is it on their own? Do they go to kind of pre-identified events that are planned? What does that structure look like? Yeah, that's a good question too. So generally speaking, it's a pretty big mix. Um, if people want to go to events on their own, they're, they're super welcome to. Like some people just want to go casually to farmer's markets and just talk to people. But for the most part, we found that people, um, these, are, these are people who are really busy lives in general, uh, that we need to make things as absolutely easy for them as possible. So we um, spend a lot of time, and it's a lot of work, uh, finding the right kinds of events that it's going to be helpful for them to have these conversations at, coordinating with those event staff, 
um, making sure we've got the equipment and the materials that the people will need, coordinating with our staff um, if there's going to be like other actual staff people there talking about specific programs more in depth, um, and then communicating with ambassadors to make sure they're signed up for shifts, they've got what they need, they know where they're going, they know who's going to be with them. Uh, we try to put them in pairs because it's a lot more fun, I think, with other people. Um, so generally speaking, we try to take care of all the logistics on the back end. Uh, they just show up uh, at a metro accessible location for the most part, uh, talk to people for two or three hours with somebody else there, uh, get a bunch of information, and then they send that back to us so we can follow up with people if they've got questions. Um, but we found and we've gotten a lot of feedback on the easier it is for them to be able to just to show up to events, the better. And then those like sort of superstars who want to do more will work with them to help develop other events they want to go to as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what is the, at least what you're, you've seen over the past few years, you know, what has been kind of the impetus? Like, why why are folks signing up to do this? Are they just wanting to be part of something bigger? Um, but are there specific triggers, reasons that, that folks are signing up to do this? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Lots of good questions. Um, <laughs> I think one, uh, yeah, one is uh, a lot of times people will have just moved here and are just looking to get more involved in their community, oh. make friends. Uh, two, people are trying to sort of burnish, uh, burnish their resume. So this is like a nice thing to have on their resume. I, you know, I worked on this sort of like formal program uh, with district government. That's a big one. I think generally speaking, this is usually people, not always, which is nice, but usually people who just care a lot about sustainability. They're involved in it in one way or another, be it health, transportation, green building, or energy. Um, but they're involved in it in some capacity and just want to see it um, more people bought in and knowing about it that's a really big one mm-hmm. um and then no yeah i think those are probably those are probably the biggest ones i would i would say that's great so let's go back to some some of the logistics so if any of our listeners want to launch um, a similar program in their community um talk a little bit you've talked about kind of the training that you guys give and then of the back-end support for events and getting folks out there is this um, an application process I mean is everybody just automatically accepted what does that part look like yeah we uh, it's an application process <coughs> excuse me so we, we found that um accepting everyone um, generally has a much higher uh, upfront success rate, but people will drop off precipitously. And that is tricky for morale when you as a volunteer who are kind of committed, see everyone else dropping off around you. So we've worked um, hard to do a lot of recruiting. And I can talk more about that. But, um, you know, if you want a diverse group of people, you need to do a lot of recruiting with a lot of different people. So uh, generally, we've had probably between like 60 and 80 applicants. This year, we made a real push and have had we have a higher number. So it's something like 105. Um, and we're, we found that a cohort of around 40 is probably the right number. If you get too much bigger, um, it's, it's hard to manage just administratively. There's probably not that same feeling of camaraderie, which is really helpful in the program. Um, but if you have a cohort of about 40, you'll probably have a good 30 people who are pretty active. And our goal for the program is to do around one event a weekend. Um, so one event... Uh, is actually a kind of a big deal in itself. So that's mm-hmm. probably <laughs> three shifts of two hours with two people at a time. So wow. that's 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 twenty four. Well, three. Yeah. So that's three. That, yeah. That's that's a significant amount of time right there that people are dedicating. And then if you do that, uh, so that's six. And if you do, yeah, one um one a weekend, that's probably twenty four right there. So you want that's you want to if everyone's committing to one event a month 
30, you know, it's a good number to, to be shooting for for that. I think the other reason why it's helpful to have the application period, is, or the application and then actual accept not everybody, is that, you know, I think you want to temper it, but it is, like, nice for people to know that, like, they were selected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's something competitive about this. You were chosen. And the fact is, that, like, you were chosen and someone else, like, wasn't chosen. And so, like... You stay committed, please, right? Right, right. Uh, I think it really does help because it, there's always an issue of, like, people get busy, you know, there's sure. other priorities in people's lives. We understand that, but, um, it, you know, you want to make sure you're keeping the energy up in the program because if halfway through the summer energy is lagging, everyone knows it. Everyone can feel it, and so then you're, you know, you're sort of playing catch-up more than anything else. So those are all things we try to stay ahead of and try to help sort of cultivate uh, this is really positive energy, uh, camaraderie, uh, feeling like that we're like a sort of a select group of people who are uh, the government has chosen to help like go spread the the news on sustainability, which sounded a lot more biblical than I meant it to. <laughs> That's all right. I think we know where you're going with it. Um, so you had mentioned there's kind of recruitment strategies that you have to do, and you know you you have a goal of really having that representative sample. Is there are there some specific tips on recruitment to try to get you to that point, and how close have you come on your diversity goals? Yeah, so um, yeah, I think there's a bunch of tips. I think one, you need to have partners. It's, it's I think it's really unlikely that just you um, yourselves are going to be able to attract like a really diverse group of applicants um, because like that first year, it almost always skews uh, more white, more young, more female. Almost, almost all in all of our. This is our fifth year where we're doing it now, and that's happened every time so far. Hmm. So we really have to um, work on getting the word out uh, and getting interest from from to round that sort of out a little bit more. So partners, I think, are really helpful. You know, there's a lot of. Um, neighborhood-based organizations, and there's a lot of environmental organizations that work with, uh, you know, more um, some African-Americans or like older citizens, just like, you know, sort of rounding out that that list in general. So that's, I think this year, um, we've done pretty well. We're around 50% white, uh, the applicants so far. It closes uh, tomorrow, actually, so good timing here. <laughs> so it's about 50% white, 20% black, and 11% multiple races which is um, up in terms of um, the percent of people of color from previous years. And then male to female has been typically about 65% female to 35% male. Um, so particularly we're almost always looking for um, like younger uh, men of color. That's, that, that's a group that we're always sort of looking for. And so again, partnerships are really helpful with that part of it. I think we also learned a lesson that um, our application and our training were just like too uh, burdensome. Like, you know, part of this is you want to make sure that people are committed, but you want to make sure it's accessible to all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we were not volunteer centric enough in some of the things that we were doing. I think we just like our government hats weren't off in, in all capacities. And I think the application, it was just uh, unnecessarily long and complicated. Mm-hmm. So we streamlined that. We streamlined the training. We've done a lot more communications, a lot more social media. Um, I think all those things are things that have really helped. And I think, you know, right now, uh, across the country, but maybe even more so in D.C., I think people are really looking for a positive way to make change in their in their world and their community. Sure. So I think we've been able to harness that a little bit this year. But um, I, I, the power of partners and the power of um, having other people spread your message, I think, is, is a lesson that we learned uh, early, and we really try to, to stick to that. That's great. And do you have anyone that kind of um, either comes back? Like, are there, does Sheila stick around for the next group and, and kind of 
be able to be almost a mentor um, to the the new batch of ambassadors? To, how, how does that work as far as repeat folks? Yeah, so we've we probably in the end have every year around twenty five to thirty like pretty active members, and we've had about seven people stay on most years. So some people have been around um, since like year two who are just really dedicated, and we're, we're we're obviously more lenient too, right? It's like if you don't want to do one a month, that's fine. Like you're you're a vet, we call them veterans. You're, you've been around and you you know what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, it's really nice because um, after each ambassador does their training, we like to have them be with staff for that first time that they're out there. But now we've got this group of people who have been doing this for so long that uh, the new ambassadors can go out with a veteran too. Yeah. So that used to be a really major lift from staff. Like that first like month or two, we were out there all the time with, with ambassadors. And you know, one of the main points of this is to get residents out there, but it's also to sort of reduce the number of weekend and night events that staff have to go to because people were burning out pretty quickly. Sure. So having to do those first few ones was actually in itself like uh, a little bit tricky. So the veterans, that's really helpful, but also like just, just during the training, right? Like you've got this like group of people who have been doing it for multiple years who can give their own advice. That's very different than what, you know, the government staff are saying. Um, yeah, who can help? I think mentor is is a pretty good word to use, I think, and just provide their perspective on what's worked well too and help help with the training in general. So that's that's been really valuable. That's great. Mm-hmm. And has this program all five years been just funded straight out of the general fund or is there a specific grant money for this or how are you guys paying for this? So, the re- I mean, the real cost is in staff time. Like I mentioned those things earlier, but just, I mean, finding events, confirming events, coordinating with the event staff, con- coordinating with um, the other government workers, making sure the materials and the equipment are there, and then coordinating with the ambassadors about this, you know, this weekend's coming events, but just in general, answering questions, keeping people engaged uh, is, is a pretty heavy lift. Sure. So we've got, yeah, it's, a, it's probably about a quarter of, of full-time employees time during the actual program and then the past two years we've had a full-time paid intern for the summer just to help with those logistics because it's it's just a lot and you know the person has got other things to do so that's the really big commitment in terms of like funding um, while district government has got a lot of people dedicated to this our budget in terms of like that sort of core hub group of people who do the sort of coordination of the implementation of our sustainability plan our budget is very very small so you know we buy um, so we buy some materials and we buy like t-shirts for everybody but it's the whole program is probably run on two three thousand dollars so it's it's it's, it's cost wise it's financially it's it's very streamlined uh, mm-hmm. in terms of staff that's local and that's uh, that's the bigger cost there well that's actually good to hear I think I mean I think we all feel like that's where we can be the most flexible right is with our time right. um, as long as there's not those hard costs that's certainly something that even some of the smaller communities could could replicate it you know if it's t-shirts and some materials right well, yeah just on that note quickly yeah. I mean that's you know I've talked about the program with a few other people and I think you know you need to make sure you do it well and you do it right and you know don't uh, don't underestimate the staff time but I think it's a really scalable program like I think this program will work really well in a really small community and you know it works well up into larger communities Baltimore did something similar too so just on your point I do think it's something that you can very much scale to your community and your capacity and, and do something that works well for for your city awesome I think that's what folks definitely want to hear about so you've touched on quite a bit some of the the challenges obviously the time commitments um, are there other kind of big challenges uh, associated with the program either for the the city staff or for volunteers that 
folks should be aware of? I mean, yeah, I think that that, that staff piece of it is, is a big one. I mean, at the same time, we before we ran this program, there were three of us who were fortunately at the time like didn't have like major um, commitments outside of work. None of us had you know children or or you know things like that um, to care for. So we were but we were out there like probably every other weekend for like several hours, which is not a good long term solution at all. So while this program is pretty high capacity, um, it really also offset a pretty high uh, capacity situation in its own right. So. Uh, you know, there's there's a nice offset that way, but it really it is. I, I the thing I just caution people about is don't don't get into something like this unless you're willing to do a really good job with it. Because if you can't provide a really really positive experience, like it has to be very I think very volunteer centric, and you, you sort of need to be anticipating the problems before they happen for them. Mm. Otherwise, people are just going to get frustrated and they're going to quit. And then you've got like people who had a bad experience who are maybe the different kind of spokesperson for maybe not what you're looking for. Um, so I think it's pretty important to just, yeah, make sure you provide a very good experience. And that is, that is not easy to do. And I'm, I'm every single summer, I'm surprised about just how much work it takes to run the program. Um, that I think is the biggest piece of it. Uh, and just, the, you know, having systems in place and making sure you're coordinating uh, with district, with other, um, you know, city staff too, to make sure you're not stepping on people's toes everyone's got their communications people and their engagement people. So right. we we work hard to make sure we're trying to coordinate with them and, you know, to varying levels of success. But, I, yeah, it's really that. I think it's that staff capacity issue that's the biggest challenge overall, I would say. You know, and you've talked about kind of the materials that you're giving the volunteers. I know you guys have some really cool graphics that you work with. Is there something there that folks should be paying attention to as far as, you know, we don't want to be handing these ambassadors like, you know, 200 pages of in-depth studies on climate change. Uh, you know, what, what's that balance there as far as the communication materials you guys are sending out? Yeah, so that's been a really interesting, like, um, way just to, like, learn how to do better with communications in general. Our ambassadors have, like, given us really good advice. So, I mean, the first uh, document that I think we used to give out was, was not, you know, the 5,000-page report, but it wasn't that far off from it in some ways. we are It was this, like, four-page brochure that had, like, way too much information on it, and, like, no one even wanted to take it, right? Like, no one wants to carry that around, like, a, a festival with them. So we've really streamlined down the amount of stuff that we're giving out. It's it's they're just like fun, simple graphics uh, that you can look at it in like one second and understand what sustainability is to some degree. And then they, the ambassadors, also ask for look. We we don't need to be giving out these like giant pamphlets. A lot of times people just want to walk away with something with the website and an email written on it, and that's all we need. So we designed this series of um. And that's what I sent you. This like series of fun little almost like business cards mm -hmm. where they're just really colorful they're uh they're really fun um ways just to give out information and i think that's the other thing that we think a lot about too is that so much of sustainability environment and climate work uh we, we were sort of like forced to occupy that like negative doom and gloom space um but we really work to be just to, to make this fun right like sustainability can be fun too like this can be uh, jumping a bike, it can be uh, urban farming, you know, there's, there's lots of like innovation and exciting, fun, positive things happening in it. Mm -hmm. So why shouldn't our branding reflect that? So we've, we've taken um, a big turn based on the in input from the uh, ambassadors and really try to make things a lot more fun. So uh, the way we talk about things, uh, the amount of information we're giving people, and I think the sort of the look of stuff has really changed um, largely on from the input of ambassadors who have really helped us, I think, 
up our game. That's awesome. That's that's another great success story you guys have. Is there, um, I know your graphics are kind of, um, they're very cool. They're easy to understand. I love that about them. Um, kind of simple, clean messages and images. Are, mm-hmm. Do you guys, when you're going out to different events or on different weekends, you know, is there kind of a theme, you know, like, okay, this weekend we're going to talk about tree canopy or, or does it depend on the, the particular ambassador or the program? How does that work? Yeah, it largely depends on the ambassador because whatever they're talking about, it's 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 so much more effective. We found if it's something they care a lot about, mm-hmm. so you know we we train them and we make sure they understand sort of like the roles and responsibilities, what's appropriate, what's not. But after that, like it's really largely like what what resonates with you and what what are you able to connect with people about. Um, and then you know there's a certain amount of like reading the crowd, right? So you know if you're going to a farmers market, like there's some obvious things you should be talking about, like access sure. to healthy food, urban agriculture are going to play up, right? So yeah. clearly the event and that audience um, really plays a large role in it, but we don't, we, don't, we don't use different materials per event typically. Like the ambassadors, uh, during their training, we give them a big kit full of information and materials, uh, and then when they're starting to get low, they let us know and we'll coordinate them to get more. Um, but uh, we found uh, that it's a really huge citywide event and staff is going there too. Uh, it's a lot easier for ambassadors to not have to figure out how do we get different information or different materials. You know, I did, they like they jump on their bike with their uh, little bag full of materials and clipboard and uh, banner and uh, head over to an event, set it up, and you know a few hours later it can take it down and head home. It's really making it as easy as possible. So it's walking that line between like tailoring things, but making it really easy for ambassadors too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think you've given such great descriptions of what the program is, um, you know, some of the logistics and the details, the challenges, opportunities. So, you know, this is about kind of spreading the word about sustainable DC. Have you guys seen, you know, are, are there changes that you're noticing in maybe behavior, which of course is so hard to, to test in the short term, but you know, are, are there things that you're noticing that you, you can say, we really feel the ambassador's program is kind of help bolstering our sustainability program in, in certain ways? Yeah, that's a really fair question. I don't know that I can like fairly say yes to that because one, uh, we don't, I mean, we don't have a good way of like measuring just the overall um, sort of impact we're having, not just ambassadors, but in general, like we do a lot of communications work and, I don't know. It's probably hopeful, but I I think a lot about like how are we contributing to creating like a, a culture of sustainability, right? Even if it's in small ways, how are we influencing the community to think more about sustainability? And we really encourage ambassadors. It's like you know, again, you don't need to be a disciple for sustainable DC, but like you need to be uh, an advocate for sustainability writ large. And I guarantee you, you can find something sustainability that like you can personally identify with. You know, like that's that's not a hard thing to do in general. So I, you know, I don't know about um, the the program specifically contributing um, to change, but. W- we definitely have over the past like five to six years seen more support for it just you know um unofficially just in conversations like conversations are definitely uh they were never negative but they're probably even more positive now i think more and more people are recognizing like climate's an issue mm-hmm. uh recognizing the importance of uh equitable access you know for sustainable transportation healthy food places to be physically active like i think a lot of that 
you don't, I find you don't need to like do as much convincing. It's more just like, so what do we do is, is the bigger question. And, you know, there's always a better answer now too, for, for what the government's doing in its side too, which, which is a nice thing to have when you're having those conversations. Um, so nothing official, but I've just been having conversations like this for six or so years. Uh, I find that it, it's definitely getting more positive and it's probably getting more nuanced too, right? I think more people just know, know about stuff as well, which is, which is a nice thing. Well, and you certainly have increased your applicants over even just the last year. So, I mean, there's, while there's, you know, might not be as much quantitative um, metrics to look at, I think, you know, there are maybe a few there, but it sounds like there's a lot of qualitative and in, in stories. And sometimes these anecdotes are actually going to be more uh, influential than data is going to be for people. So uh, it sounds like you guys are definitely heading in the right direction and, and doing a great job here. So congratulations on that. Thanks. Appreciate it. I think it'd be nice to have a better mix of both, but yes, I think that's, that's a fair <laughs> point. And I appreciate that. <laughs> sure. No worries. Well, so Dan, I, I really appreciate taking the time. I think I just have one last question for you. I mean, obviously this is uh, a program you're invested in and spent a lot of time with, you know, I think as a fellow sustainability professional, I know for me, this is, you know, the work we do isn't really work. It's uh, it's our lifestyle. It's a passion. Uh, you know, we're kind of all mission driven here, but I think folks would love to know, like, what 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 really drives you to kind of keep doing this work and be motivated uh, despite hiccups that come up along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well said. Um, I would this would be such an interesting conversation to have with like a really large group of sustainability people because I bet you it's like a really wide range of you know ways that people came into it. So I actually I um I was going to be a social worker like a long time ago that was like my plan mm-hmm. and then I went to urban planning school and was going to do affordable housing. Um I was raised in a really like social justice uh focused household and uh school and volunteer programs after that were a big social justice were a big component of that. So it was it was really the the blend of um equity and how, you know, if if a house is more energy efficient, um it really should be a house that's more affordable, right? If we're doing everything right. Transportation, the same thing. Uh we're talking about access to, to healthy food um, and places for people to be physically active. I, I just think there's like in everything that we do, there's such a, there, there is and should be more such a strong component of equity in it. So I think, you know, I've been a pretty strong environmentalist, uh, whatever, since junior high probably, but like in some ways uh, it's, it's equal to or maybe secondary sometimes to um, how can we make this like, city better for people? And that's why I think sustainability is so interesting because it really marries those two. Um, mm-hmm so well uh and and you know what it's not it's not very common that you get to play in such a broad area like i love finding the ways that things connect uh, and that's what sustainability is all about is all those interconnections and figuring out you know what's the policy what's the program that's got three or four benefits instead of just the one which i find super interesting and super fun so uh yeah, like you said, there's hiccups and uh, is everyday fun? Absolutely not, but I really do feel lucky that I get to sort of play in this space every day at work. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, and it's it's actually pretty funny because I feel like uh, I'm I'm just slightly opposite of you because I was an environmental scientist and focused on the planet and wildlife and was like, what are humans doing? And then when I went to mm-hmm. graduate school for planning, uh, that's when I brought in the social side. So, I, you know, I think oh, that's, that's really the opportunity where you see, like you're saying, those interconnections and how important they really are. So, um, but this mm-hmm. has been great, Dan. Thank you so much for your time. And we appreciate having you on SAS Talk and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Anytime. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much.
Thank you for joining this episode of SAS Talk with Kim. You can listen to other podcasts in our sustainability action series at sastalkwithkim.com. Remember that action is the key to your community's sustainable future. What will you act on today?